Welcome back to American Polygons, a pod for U.S. soccer fans by a couple of U.S. soccer fans. We are back as the U.S. men's national team has finished round two of octagonal World Cup qualifying. I'm Nate. He's Joe. All right, Joe, how are we feeling about the Oct after round two? Feeling pretty good. Second in the group. Getting the points in a good position. Almost halfway through. I think uh, I think we're okay. We're a long way to go, though. There's a long way to go. Eight games to go still. So keep keep grinding, keep fighting. Definitely a lot that can happen still, but I'm also feeling confident, liking where we are, like that we got six from these last three matches. So overall, got to feel pretty decent. So I know it's on your mind. What's going on with VAR? What do you think? Well, I think um, as a United States men's soccer fan, the fact we don't have VAR in CONCACAF is um, kind of a slap to the face, I think. if uh, I know we, a lot of us, a lot of the big fans here have, have forgotten about this, but four years ago, we were going into our last group of games. And uh, unfortunately, we lost to Trinidad Tobago, and I know a lot of us have blocked that out of, out of our minds. But we also blocked out the fact that Panama scored a phantom goal. And if you saw that, that goal was nowhere, that ball was nowhere close to ca- crossing the goal line. And that goal ended up keeping us out of the World Cup. So we've already been, dare I say, screwed over by the fact we don't have VAR and CONCACAF. And should we not take care of our own business? We should take care of our own business and it shouldn't come down to that. But in the chance that it comes down to that again, I'm scared because of that happening. That's, uh, I don't know if you remember that. I, I, I'm guessing you remember that. I'm, I'm guessing you blocked it out of your memory. Now that you bring that up, I do. Yeah. If you saw it, it wasn't anywhere close. It wasn't even... The ball was on the line. It wasn't like any half of the ball was over the line. It was it was not if, – if, if VAR was able to take a look at it, it would have been disallowed and the U.S. soccer team would have been going to Russia, or at least the playing game. I can't remember exactly how that worked out with the points, but um, we would have been playing in that fourth-place playing game. So that's why I want VAR because we've already been screwed over once and I'm scared it's going to happen again. What do you think? Well, so here's my question. So that's a goal line technology issue, okay. which is slightly different from VAR. Okay, fair enough. But we don't does have Con- either. Does CONCACAF right? But does do they do they really not have goal line technology? I don't because think so. that's the that's the lasers on the on the goals, right? And then it buzzes the referee's watch if it goes in, and if it doesn't buzz, then it didn't go in. But to your point about Panama from the last cycle, I certainly remember that now that you bring it up. I remember that phantom goal. I think, you know, those sorts of big events are the argument for using that. I think certainly with as much as stake as there is, there should be some sort of review process. And, you know, I think overall, you know, we've got to look at this group of games not having VAR actually probably was a wash for us in this most most recent round of qualifying. You know, you can talk about red cards 
against Jamaica, but you can also talk about PKs against Costa Rica. So do we still have six points if there's VAR? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, fighting for VAR, fighting for VAR could come back to bite us in the ass. And I'm willing to accept that if it makes the play, playing field fair. I also think that you've got to look, I mean, granted, you know, you get to the last 10 minutes of qualifying in the last cycle and, you know, there's a blown call and that gets exacerbated. But I mean, we've got to be honest. If you look at the last World Cup qualifying cycle, it was a disaster from the get-go. Yes, we had a chance to qualify at the end and we didn't because we lost away to TNT and other teams got results. At the end of the day, like we've got I think you've got to look at it as it's equal for everybody and that there's no VAR, so there's potentially equal opportunity for any of the teams to get hosed by not being there. So everybody's on the playing on the same playing field with that. It's not as though some some stadiums are using it and others aren't, or games that are in the US are using it and others aren't, right? But we've I, I think we've just got it we've got to take care of business. At the end of the day, we're on eleven points and we've got to take care of business. And I think if we do take care of business, then we don't leave ourselves an opportunity where a call in our game or another game, the last 10 minutes of qualifying is going to be the make or break. The U S should not have put itself in that situation. Oh, I agree. And to lose to the, to the lose to the last place side away team that was already eliminated in a decisive match. If we won, we would have taken care of business. We didn't. So you, you open up an entire can of worms in terms of you put yourself in a position where anything can happen. Well, anything did happen. We didn't go to the World Cup because we lost. If we tie that game, if we win that game, we're in. It doesn't matter. So, yeah, I see your point. I also think that there's there's more to look at than just saying, hey, we need we need this to save us if we need saving. Like, we shouldn't need saving. No, and I'm not saying that. A couple things that you said there. Yeah, I think uh, we took that game for granted four years ago. I think our tickets were already bought for Russia, and uh, we were looking past that game because of that. But as we've come to find out, away games in CONCACAF are actually hard. Um, The fact we don't have VAR and the importance of video review, the rest of the world has it. Every other major conference, cup, league has VAR at this point. And CONCACAF still doesn't. And that I see that as a problem. I don't I don't understand. But also the importance of it is the World Cup, these games are important. You said that these games are important, and is that, that's exactly right. The World Cup is every four years, unless some people on Twitter get their way. But every four years we have to wait for this. And I'm sorry, but I don't want – and you're right. I, uh, you know, you're right. It's equal playing field for all eight teams. Fine. You know, somebody else could get hosed. We could get hosed, you know, and it could happen to anybody at this point. But the fact that it's out there and we're not using it, I think is a problem. I agree. The world has moved forward with video assisted review. It's there, like it or not, right? It's not perfect, but it's certainly better than not having the ability to review calls. And it's a, it's a definite it's definitely a shame that CONCACAF has chosen not to adopt it yet. I hope that it doesn't hurt any teams. And from a U.S. fan perspective, we've got the talent to qualify. We should qualify. 
we've got to take care of business on the field. And at the end of the day, I know you're going to talk about it. A potential call in Panama doesn't take away from the fact that we played really poorly in that match. So in some ways, we've got to just play and not expect referees calls to help us out, right? We can't play a terrible match and then hope for a penalty at the end to get a result. That's not deserved. We have the talent to be able to go out and get justly deserved results, home or away. All right, so let's move on. You know, we talked about Pulisic and Reyna missing this set of fixtures with injury. John Brooks also missed through injury. Um, The defense without Brooks concedes, granted, two goals, but they conceded in two out of the three games. Is it a sign, a good sign for the future that we're continuing to gain points without some of these top players? Where, where do you stand on that, Joe? I think more than the Gold Cup when we see some of these guys, um, this is a good sign, seeing some of these guys in some of these games step up. The Costa Rica game, for sure, um, falling down so quickly. But uh, it gives opportunity. Um, we're going to talk once again in this Panama game. I feel like the Panama game, we're going to talk forever. But um, there has to be chemistry on a team. And to build chemistry, you need to be on the field with different people. And what this does with these injuries is allow some people to get on the field and work with other teammates. Does it backfire sometimes? Absolutely. Does it grow our team? Yes. So you got to kind of pick your spots. Um, I thought the spot picking at Panama was poor, but um, I think some of these guys getting some minutes in some of these crucial games is, is going to help us in the long run. Absolutely. Um, would I love to see those three out on the field? Yep. Um, can't wait to see them all together again, but for the time being, yeah, let's, let's, let's make sure our, our backups are good and solid. And I think we're people, people, a lot of people say this, we've been saying this, that we're deep. We are a very deep team. I think along the back line, we're deeper than most. There's probably four or five guys. I would put a center back, um, almost three lines, basically, um, that I would start and I would not have a problem with. So, yeah, I think getting some guys on the ball in the middle of the field, getting some scoring opportunities, and that's probably where we need it more, but getting some of those guys up top to get some scoring opportunities is is important. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point that you bring up because having multiple lines of depth at any given position, having the ability to run a group of three out as your front three in one match and then turn around, you know, four days later in an, in another match and, and run out a separate group that's able to produce similar results is going to be super critical at a world cup level. I think that, you know, especially given the number of league matches, champions league matches that, you know, all these guys are playing now, you know, it, it's, it's a, Major tournaments are more about winning a war of attrition than anything else and keeping guys healthy and having depth and you can't go with 11 guys. So having some of the depth and whether it's, you know, forced or chosen or whatever. And I think that, you know, I will be the first to admit that I'm very critical of Burhalter's decisions in the Panama match. And it may be that down the road, we look back at that and say, hey, that was a good decision that he got some of those guys' minutes. Now, some of those guys need to show better 
if they get another chance for minutes and they need another chance for minutes because obviously the result in Panama was unacceptable. Yep. But to look at at the hole and say, hey, we've got four guys in the back that can defend. We've got a group that can rotate in on the outside. We've got, a, I would say, our our strongest upside as a roster is probably in the center midfield, but I would say that the most questions also lie within the center midfield. And then you've got the attacking group, and and if Pepe can continue to thrash in goals, you know, put him with any combination of five or six other guys, and I I feel confident that we're going to be okay, even at a World Cup kind of stage, but everybody's got to continue to develop and you have to continue to, to build that chemistry. And it's hard because the whole camp lasts less than two weeks. So how do you do that? That's got to be a process. And I think that hopefully, hopefully Burhalter has that in mind as he's making these decisions and it's not just random. I'm just throwing these guys wherever, but I think that there's, some positives there's some asterisks to some of the negatives of this cycle that are maybe a like bookmark this for later and we'll come back and maybe it doesn't look as bad as it does right now match one all right yeah let's talk about jamaica just real quick you know obviously we both said the u.s needs to come out and be strong you know, I personally thought that they did. I thought that even though they didn't get on the scoreboard in the first half, they were strong and they dominated um, kind of the full 90. Once they got the goals, they looked in complete control. I thought they defended well. I don't think they put themselves in too many dangerous situations. But, you know, that was when I talked about wanting to see them put teams under pressure for 90 minutes. That was really what I was talking about. And I think they did that pretty well. Yeah, um, I think Jamaica is probably the worst team in the qualifying group right now. Um, I predicted 2 nothing. We won 2 nothing. Not a whole lot to say about it. I think that game went almost exactly. I thought it would be one in the first half, one in the second half, and just kind of cruise. Um, do I want to see us pick it up in the first half a little bit with a little more urgency? Yes, I do. This uh, notion that we're a second-half team needs to be thrown deep, deep, deep down into a dark hole. And uh, we need to come out with some some urgency in some of these games. But that game went pretty much uh, like I thought it would. The thing I will say, and I'm going to make a reference to the high school team that I coach. Uh, we just qualified for the state tournament, by the way. We won our section title. Congratulations. Which is awesome. But the thing that we've done all season is wear teams down. And if you can put teams under pressure, you will fatigue them. Uh, in the section final last night, uh, the team we played uh, had one of their defenders get sent off in the previous match. So he was out. So they started a freshman who played the full game and he couldn't walk the last 10 minutes. He was stretching every chance he got. He was cramping. And that was because he was under pressure from the get-go. And he did a pretty good job. He didn't break down until the last 15 minutes or so of the match. It was one nothing into the 65th minute. And we get two goals late to put it away. But I think that that is maybe a misnomer of you have to score in the first half, 
don't necessarily have to score in the first half, I think. But if you're putting the other team under enough pressure to where they are going to break down, then that's fine. And the U.S. did, and, and to be fair, right, we're talking about this looking back, revising, you know, sort of revising history. The U.S. could have been up two men in the first half. How many goals would they have scored if they were up two men in the first half? I'm sure they would have, right? So all things considered, they they put Jamaica under pressure from the very first minute, and Jamaica arguably was cracking from the first minute. They just didn't break until the second half. Well, I think uh, tactically, Jamaica saw how quickly they got broken and backed that back line up pretty quick too. I think they uh, went from trying to play a little bit out in front and uh, turned heel and and dug in the trenches a little bit because they realized that they were going to get beat quick. Which is, I think where this has to be a roadmap for the U.S. in home World Cup qualifiers. If they come out on the front foot, you're going to put other teams on the back foot. They have the talent to do this, so we need to see them doing this. Mexico, I think, is the one example where maybe you want to be a little cautious from the get-go, but even Mexico, put them under pressure, see what they do. They've had, they've had some really tricky qualifiers. They've not been a dominant squad this qualifying round i want to see this put them under pressure in the same way we'd put anybody else under pressure and see what happens and if it backfires fine i will live with that but we basically need to win our, if we win our home games we're going to qualify we've already dropped points to canada let's go out and say we need to and play like we need to get three points don't play for a draw against mexico at home go play to beat them two nothing go play to wear them out that's what I want to see. Dosa Sarah, baby. All right, so let's talk about Panama. We can rehash all of the things that have already been covered in press, the lineup changes and all of that. The, the one sticking point for me is, this is what we talked about when we were talking about does style of play matter? And the fact that the U.S. decided that they were just going to play lump ball but they couldn't put a ball within 35 yards of a target in the second half with the game on the line once they went down is exactly why we need to have a different style of play. And I don't really, I I understand your argument about the quality of the pitch. The quality of the pitch in Panama was better than it was in El Salvador and probably better than it was in Honduras. It wasn't that bad. They'd had some rain. If you can't play on a field that's been rained on, then you have no business as a professional our touches were terrible and we didn't even try. Um, so that's where I'm, that's where my big sticking point is with Panama. We just didn't want to play anything resembling the soccer that we're capable of playing. And that's why it's frustrating that we went down there and lost one, nothing. If we go down there and we force them to pack it for 90 minutes and they counter us once for a goal, then fine. But we had, we had, nothing resembling a chance in that game. Um, I beg to differ on that last comment. Uh, I'm going to bring back, this is my one VAR, my one VAR video assistant review. That's um, and for the record, I hate CBS sports broadcast. Hate it. It's trash. The opening with Dempsey and them. That's decent. Whoever the two announcers are that do the games. It is terrible. 
If someone wants to share this podcast with them, this is one U.S. soccer fan that is pretty much disgusted with them. The call, the, the playing the game that I'm referring to is, I, I don't remember exactly when in the game it was, but I believe it was a corner kick or a free kick, left side of the goal. Great ball, six-yard box. Walker Zimmerman had beaten his guy to the spot. And the defender pulled him back, whether it was ever so slightly or substantially, he pulled him back from what would have been a wide-open header. CBS Sports showed the replay one time. Now, I have DVR, so I was very curious to see if I saw what I think I saw. So I went back and looked at it a couple times. So maybe VAR gives that as a penalty, but that's still only one clear-cut chance for us in that whole entire match. You know, when you're on away games like this, sometimes that's all you get is one or two opportunities for whatever reason, for whatever circumstance, lineup, pitch condition, tactics. But when you have an opportunity like that, and I promise you, if they if VAR takes a look at that, I think we have a PK. So that's the one example I want to give. I don't want to talk about any of the others because there's plenty. But that was one in that Panama game that if if we have it, I think we tie the game. And we're talking about that game a little differently. I think for sure we're talking about that game a little bit differently. And, and I mean, to be honest, I don't remember that chance. But I think that overall... Because CBS Sports showed it one time. Well, and I'm what I'm curious about in terms of that is how much control do they have over that feed? Because nobody that they're they're not sending announcers down to those countries. Everybody's broadcasting stuff from a studio in the U.S., right? So they're just accepting game feeds from everybody else. If you look, I mean, you look at the difference in like replay style, and they're focusing on, you know stepovers and all kinds of stuff. Whereas replays in the U S are, you know, they're cutting to the coach grimacing over a missed chance while the ball's in play. Right. So whole nother topic for discussion, but I wonder how much of the replay control they actually have. I do. I, I'm, I legitimately wonder about that, but okay. the other thing I want to bring up just real quick, it's going to piss you off. You're already heated. That's fine. So no, I never I'm said he was it. good. I never said he was good. I never said he was good. I know what you're going to say. I just said, if you go back and listen to the podcast, I just said that he's going to play. He's probably going to score an important goal because that's what he does. Is he good? No, not really. But the man finds the ball in the box and he usually scores. He usually scores a fairly important goal. It didn't wow. happen this time. I never said he was good. I'm waiting for, we're going to wait. And see if Giassi's artist gets another chance to score an amazing right place at the right time goal. What I'd like to see from a center forward is somebody who gives us opportunities, creates opportunities. It was somebody that has some initiative. I just the game was a dumpster fire. I completely agree with you there. The game was a dumpster fire and should not have been for any number of reasons. But we can move on. That lineup was so all over the place. I don't even, like, I honestly don't even know where to begin. We could talk about it for 45 minutes, and I don't want to do that because I don't want to bore our listeners with the lineup and the tactics. But there was very little chemistry on that field that night, and for the most part, very little urgency for whatever matter you or whatever reason you want to say. 
But yeah, we can move on. Let's go to Costa Rica. All right. So I think of this match and I look at a young team that showed resilience. Going down, the TIFO hadn't even come down from the behind the goal. And it's one nothing. I turn the game, I turn the match on in the third minute as one nothing. I'm like, are you kidding me? And the interesting thing was, you know, in some ways, reminiscent of the Euro Cup final where England scores two minutes in and then just never found a stake in the game. I don't think Costa Rica ever really found a stake in the game. They did, you know, they had some chances, but it was sort of similar in that the U.S. put them under pressure within 15 minutes of conceding. And from that point on, for the most part, it was one-way traffic. And the talent of this young U.S. roster is the reason that we had three points to show for that match. And the fact that a group that was so young was able to respond in such a way, to me, speaks volumes to where the program is now compared to where it's been in years past. Because let's be honest, when was the last time that you saw an individual goal, an individual strike the way that Dest struck the ball there? I mean, there is not a keeper in the world who's stopping that. No, it was a great strike. It was a great strike. A um, couple things. I'm going to go back to to Panama and maybe give it a little credit here. That lineup saved the legs of some of our players. And I feel like in the Costa Rica game, it showed in the last 30, 40 minutes. Um, it is also good that Brian Ruiz is like 49 years old and still trying to play professional soccer because he is slow as molasses. Well, the fact that they brought uh, Saborio in, he's been retired for like four years. They talked, somebody was talking about that, right? Like their subs are all our age. Yeah. Not to make ourselves feel old, but like, I'm sorry, I'm not going to go play com- like professional soccer. I'll take 23 year old Tyler Adams over 39 year old Costa Rican every day, twice on Sundays. With fresh legs, especially. Yeah, I mean, that's we saved some legs from playing in Panama. He played them late in that game, which at that point, yeah. But um, I thought we had some fresher legs for that Costa Rica game, and they just didn't have the depth to to stay there. Um, Did we show resiliency? Yeah, that's a good word. Um, Should we have won that game? After seeing the what we had on the on the pitch and what they had, you know, I predicted two two tie. Really should have been probably three one U.S. I think that what we saw here is the fact that Costa Rica doesn't have the same quality of program that they had a couple of years sure. ago. I agree. Their their star players are aging. I had mentioned that previ- in a previous episode. I just don't see them as much of a threat anymore. Uh, that's why I think you know Canada with their youth is more dangerous. I think Jamaica even they were they've been missing some uh, European based players. Uh, and I just think that there's other teams that are going to come for Costa Rica. I think their time has passed. I think the fact that Kaylor Navas went off at halftime is super significant in that game. I think he stops Wea's shot. Maybe that game ends up 1-1. And we're having a completely different conversation mm-hmm. about the table than we're going to have right yeah. now. Which is, after six matches in CONCACAF octagonal qualifying... 
We've got Mexico on top with 14 points, uh, four wins, two draws, only three goals against. We've got the U.S. on 11 points, three, two, and one. We've got Canada on 10, so you've got a clear three-team group at the top. The U.S., uh, despite having lost to Panama, sees Panama drop its other two matches. So Panama is on eight. So they... Costa Rica's with six, and then you've got Jamaica and El Salvador with five, and Honduras with three. Uh, Honduras in a load of trouble. The interesting game, I think, as we look ahead, will be Jamaica and the United States in Jamaica. Can Jamaica recover and get something out of that? Uh, if they lose their first game of the next uh Jamaica loses their first game in the next set of matches, and the U.S. beats Mexico. I could see that being uh, a turning point for Jamaica, competitively leading five teams in in octagonal. Um, Yeah, I think these next two games are going to be very scary for us Um, if if certain things happen in the the group here. Um, I think Mexico, I hate to say it, but they probably owe us one right now. Won the last two matches. Um, they're going to come up here fired up, well-rested. I don't know if we're at full strength yet. I know Polisic's still fighting an injury. Brooks is probably still fighting an injury. Don't know what's going on with Reyna. Um, what does our lineup look like? Is Mexico full strength? Let's say we lose that game, and the three next closest teams, four, five, and six, all win. As long as they're not playing each other. I don't know exactly what the schedule looks like. But that puts them each three points closer to us, and we didn't take points. Now we have to go down to Jamaica, an away game, and we have not looked good in away games yet in Concacaf. Um, that's 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 going to be a high pressure game. If we take zero points in these two games, we take one point in these two games, we're back in the thick of the pack. We got to win one of these. I'd like to see us take points in both. I'd like to see us win both. But I'm just a little concerned that Mexico owes us one, and uh, Jamaica is going to come out like a pack of dogs hungry for the meat on the stick. You know what I mean? I think we'll wait to break that down until we get a little bit closer. I was just getting this ready for the yeah. I was previewing. We'll we'll taste. We'll tasty taste. We'll taste. I see where you're at, Joe. I see where you're at. You ready? For- All right. Yeah. You ready? It is time. It is time, though, our avid listeners, for the segment that we call Joe's Survivor Series. Joe, tell us where we're at in Survivor. We're on about day 16 of 40. We're on day 10 to 18. This, this part of the octagonal is about 10 to 18. I'd say probably on about day 12, right around the time we played Jamaica, we found an immunity idol. Okay. We found an immunity idol. We were out searching. We knew this immunity idol was going to help us get further into the game. Okay. It was going to help us further into the closer to qualifying, uh, winning survivor, as you might say. Um, when we got to Panama on day 15, Somebody found out about this idol. And if you've ever seen Survivor, if somebody finds out about your idol, that's usually bad news. Okay? That hurts your play. It hurts your game. 
All right. And losing to Panama hurt our game a little bit, put us in a little bit of state of shock. We had to, we had to get resilient quick. Um, we had to figure out a different strategy. We had to make sure that the next couple of days we took care of business. So in the next couple of days, we got Costa Rica. We took care of business. We would have voted out the person that found out about our idol because as long as they knew about the idol, they were going to tell other people. So we wanted to keep our idol nice and quiet. So we secretly got a little, little uh, alliance going and got that person voted off. So we found an idol. Somebody found out about it. Panama. And then Costa Rica. We voted them off quick. Within two days, we got them off the island. So now we're moving in. We're moving in about the halfway point of our survivor game. We have an immunity idol. We're feeling pretty good. We're feeling pretty safe. Um, if, you know, some teams, some, some players want to come at us, um, we have that in our back pocket, and maybe we'll use that at a later date. So there you go. I hope I like our it. listeners like Survivor. I hope so, too. <laughs> Otherwise, we may not have as many listeners for very long. Oh, no. Watch Survivor. It'll make sense. There you go. It's, gives you something to do in between all these all these games. Right. Hey, instead of this is a nice little interlude here. Inst- we should we should put up a poll. Do our listeners want us to watch some episodes of Survivor and do an episode of Survivor based analogies using the national team? Oh, or do our listeners want us to do a Americans Abroad episode of American Poblicans and talk about U.S. men's national team soccer players playing overseas. I'm good Stay with that. tuned the for that one, poll. The other one sounds rough. Let's, yeah, let's get that poll out there, but let's make sure we're voting for that second one. <laughs> All right. Make sure you vote. Listen. And if the voting's already over, message us. All right. It's time to discuss our players of the round. Who is the who's your who's Joe's standout for round two of Concacaf WCQs? This isn't easy because the lineup kind of changed a little bit. I mean, when Tyler Adams is on the field, we're a much better team. Can't be I can't say Tyler Adams every time. Pepe scored twice. I can't say Pepe every time. You know, I gotta be, I gotta get creative here. It doesn't mean there wasn't other guys that played well, though. I thought Walker Zimmerman looked very good, and that gives me confidence in their back. I thought Musa looked very good. He looked aggressive. He looked confident. Does he need to have a little more experience playing in some some big games and in crucial moments? Yeah, he does. But he shows that he should be there. Um, so I'm not gonna go with one. I'll go with a couple guys there um, that I think prove themselves a little bit, prove themselves a little bit more in Walker and Musa. I'm going to go with uh, our goal scorer, our equalizer in game three, Serginio Dest. I thought he played really well against Jamaica. I thought we missed him against Panama. And then I thought he showed his skill against Costa Rica. I think he brings more to the outside 
than arguably anyone except for Pulisic or Giorena. I think he... I, I just think he gives more to our attack, and I want to see him utilized more going forward um, than anybody anybody else, certainly from in our defense. Um, but I think that he really just put a stamp on uh, the two World Cup qualifiers he was a part of. All right, so we've got round three coming up. USA versus Mexico, November 12th. That is a Friday night matchup. And then Jamaica and the United States on November 16th. Two matches for this upcoming round of qualifiers. Takes us through the halfway point. There will be six matches left after the next round. Interesting format change, I'll just say. To go away from the three matches per round right in the middle. Well, it's because there's it's three, 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 two, one, two, sorry, three, two. The last round is two, I think. No, 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 no. It goes, Maybe it goes three. three, three, two, three, three. So we're ending the first part with Mexico and we're starting. No, there's a single in there somewhere. No, 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 no. I can't look at my pretty sure there's thing. a Tony. There's not. I looked at it. Go to the schedule. It's three, three, two, three, three. Fine. You're right. I'll edit that. No, out. don't edit that out. Leave that in there. <laughs> okay. So anyway, Mexico ends anyway. our first half of the arc. And Jamaica starts the second half of our arc. And then we have three. And then we have three. There's the schedule. Watch right. the games. Or I guess we'll do a preview episode. So wait for the We'll preview. do our preview episode. So listen to our preview episode and then watch the games. There you go. That's what we have to say. And Nate said Joe was right. Remember that. Can't believe I said that. You can end this. All right, that wraps up this episode of American Polygons. Remember, you can contact us by email at AmericanPolygons at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at AmericanPods. Until next time, he's Joe. I'm Nate. Thanks for listening.